Hey guys, if you haven't seen my social, if you're only living in the podcast, you might not know about my first in line concept. It is a database that I'm building that then feeds a Facebook messenger and a text messaging communication world. For me, I wanted to create something for people that really wanted to get the rare sneakers, to get the first tickets to VoiceCon, to get discounts on other products, giving away free shit, wishing you happy birthdays, interacting, surprise and delights. Uh, I'm starting a brunch series. Uh, I'm doing something on the first of each month where you, you get a few 11 minutes of my time doing a bunch of super surprise and delight and first in line opportunities. GaryVEE.com slash FIL, first in line pod, FIL pod, Phil pod, FIL pod, GaryVEE.com slash FIL pod, FIL POD, if you want to know how to spell pod. Um, if you go there, you can sign up for first in line. Uh, and what I'm basically doing is gathering people's information, text and uh, addresses and email. Uh, really wanted to create a club, let's call it what it is. Uh, let me give you the example so then you can move on and listen to the podcast. Company reaches out to me, they're like, Gary, we have this new hoodie that we want you to wear. I'm like, no, I'm not gonna do that. Like, you know, I'm not gonna take your $50,000 to wear a hoodie. But I'm like, oh, but what would be cool is if you give me 500 hoodies for my fans so then I can send out a text and say first 500 people to fill out this form, get a free hoodie or my next book when it comes out. Do a first in line only thing where you get it cheaper than Amazon. Or, for example, my sneaker coming out in the summer and fall and winter of 2018. Is there a discount on pre-sale? Or, because I want to do more engaging with fans, the four people I bring to New York City to spend 30 minutes with me, just complete surprise and delight, because I'm so flattered you pay attention to me. That's what First in Line's about. Uh, Write hooks for me, new books out, the new sneakers out, but most importantly, surprise and delight and access and freebies and happiness for you. GaryVEE.com slash F-I-L-P-O-D. First in Line pod. Go check it, sign up now if you haven't. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Cause we're gonna be I think by never relenting from the conversation with myself about the reality of the situation. Inevitably you'll get to the moment of clarity if you spend every minute recognizing this is a fucking problem and you know the quicker I address it and understand it and respect it, the quicker I'm gonna get to the solution. Listen, this is why it's so scary. This is why I don't like that everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. Like, if you're listening to us right now, you're like, fuck, that sounds depressing. Like, what's fun about that? It's the truth. I know, I always tell people, if you want to make money, this is not the route. (laughs) If you want, you know, it's it's, it's just, it's the route. To to me, you can make money this way if you don't want to deal with unbelievable amounts of pressure. If you don't have the stomach for the pain. And that's what people, you know, you know, it's like being an athlete. Like, if you wanna, if you wanna work out every day and eat healthy and like, watch film, like, it, it seems so much more glamorous. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that I learned in particular from you is to be extremely self-aware as a founder. So when I started the business, I essentially had a chat with myself and had myself acknowledge what are the things that I'm the fucking best at, and then what are the things that I should not be doing. And step one was to surround myself with people who could do all the things that I am not great at. Uh, I'd say step three was having the foresight to know what type of company I wanted to build 
and then find operators who've done it. Like, I don't need to reinvent every aspect of the wheel. There are things that Gary does every single day that are tried and true to building a great company that I can learn from. Um, so I'd say that was a starting place to identify who are the people I should initially surround myself with. Just to jump back before I move on, one thing I've been thinking a lot about is building up self-esteem and confidence. How do you find the right balance between instilling confidence versus creating delusion and entitlement? I think it's an extremely fine... (laughs) You like that one? I, I think it's, you know, I've been spending a lot of time on this. I'm just curious to get your perspective on it. I think it's an extremely fine line and, you know, I think that, for example, just being selfish for a minute, I think I've done too much of that at Wine Library and VaynerMedia, which has then created an undercurrent of entitlement, which takes a lot of time to then correct and it's painful to start introducing radical candor to massive optimism. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, do you, <laughs> how, do you, uh, how do you think about that? Having humility and pride in your voice at the same time, I think is what creates like authentic communication. So with my team, like no one gets penalized for making small mistakes because we're all human. I would say the big thing is if things were happening over time and we gave someone the benefit to show growth in their role, you know, then we would sit down and talk about, okay, how do we put you on a performance review that makes sense for the business and help you achieve these certain milestones. So I think the fact that I have such humility with my team, like Gary and I had a board meeting yesterday. I left the board meeting, I go back to my office, and of course my team wants to know how the board meeting went. I told them exactly how it went, because there's nothing to hide. So I told them the good, the bad, and having that level of humility, I think is the balance with having pride in your own voice. Have you started, you know, you're so early in your career, you're on this path, but you are getting attention and you're out and about. Have you started mentoring yourself? Have you thought about what that chapter looks like? Or are you still very much focused on, you're obviously early in the business, focusing on getting the value out of that relationship of mentorship? Um, no, I, I, similar to you, Gary, like, I'm so self-critical. Um, so I constantly, probably to a detriment every moment of the day, I'm evaluating like, where are the weaknesses in my business, and myself, what's coming up in my calendar that I feel like I need help with. And I'll tell you, I feel like one of the most underutilized words in business right now is help. And I've actually like put that into practice. So you talked a little bit about uh, correcting entitlement. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm kind of wondering, for both of you, uh, you know, they say that you can either rule with love or fear. When you have team members who are kind of underperforming, how do you know when it's time to kind of do either of the two or when to cut your losses? I mean, for me, fear is just never a good strategy even when it's not working. You know, I, 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 I'm flabbergasted by people's inability to understand how much more positivity and optimism, like even if you thought about how Rachel uh, articulated when somebody was struggling, how do we put you on a plan that works for the business and works for you? The thought that fear or negativity is a good idea is ludicrous. You know, there's always a great way to do it. I mean, I'll tell you, one of the things I'm trying to do a better job of is I'm spending way more energy on the way we exit somebody properly than the way that we onboard them properly because I care so much about the final taste and when, it, when it's bad, I feel like, you know, to me, for all of us that are leaders here, CEO, C-suite, what have you, you work for them. And so you're in control and so for me, 
you know, I think there's a time for critical feedback. You know, to me, the cadence of positive reinforcement, but you may want to look at this and you think about your words carefully and you want to do it positive. I do think there's a come to Jesus moment. I think, you know, after giving positive reinforcement, but you may want to work on this, there is a time of like, you probably suck, you know, and that's okay. Like, maybe we suck. You know, it takes two to tango, uh, but we need to figure this out because nobody's winning here. My point of view is if you're not able to be the bigger person in every situation when you have the leverage, you're weak and you're creating vulnerability. You said you invested in Rachel and McMack and then Lola. So I would love to hear what's different about what you're looking for and maybe what differences you see in men versus women fundraising. So this is something that Rachel and Britt and the Birch, I, 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 I've done a lot of female, you know, what am I looking for? I'm looking for good fucking businesses. And so like, (laughs) obviously over the last half decade, as the conversation properly has been focusing on the numbers that aren't matching up, you know, one thing, you know, Rachel's like always ragging on me for not talking enough about how much female foundership I've done. Um, You know, that is insane, like I, like I don't know that stat, like I just, like I don't really pay attention to much, um, believe it or not, like that is unbelievably ridiculous. And so, you know, I remember, so I wrote the first check into Birchbox, right? And so that was six or seven years ago and I remember that meeting like it was yesterday. We were in Starbucks in Midtown and they were pitching and they probably got about 60 words in and I said I was in. And I remember them getting super pumped and emotional and not, you know, like pretty emotional. And I remember um, just was like, what's like cool, awesome. Like I was pumped too, but I was like, you know, like, and they were just like, we've gotten so many no's, you know, and like we needed this yes. And I was like, cool, like I've seen that before. Like I didn't think much of it. And it was super interesting. It's probably around this time of year. It was that first really nice day in New York City after like the winter, you know, like that perfect, like I don't know if it was April or May, but it was that day. I think we all know what day that was. And I was ironically less busy back then so I could actually walk home. And I I live in the Upper East Side. In that 30 block walk, I remember somewhere around halfway being like, wait a minute. Like, is it possible? Like the business was so obvious to me. It was like, we're gonna get samples and sell them. I was like, that's a great fucking business. And, maybe, and, and at the time, at the time it was very social media and it was a different world. Maybe because I came from a retail background, it clicked. But no question, it, it was a time when it went through my mind of like, holy shit, are they getting no's because they're women? And, and to be very frank, I wanna be, I'm a pretty transparent dude. I intuitively, this is not, I'm not proud of this. I wonder, and I don't know if it's true or not, but I wonder if I even subconsciously recognized that there was gonna be great opportunities for me in female founded businesses if the market, back to this 2% bullshit, was gonna view it, like to me, I don't care if you're an alien, you know, like, like the only, like only Patriot fans are the things that I usually don't invest in. But like, it's, it's utterly embarrassing to me, and not as a guy, it's utterly embarrassing me to me as a business person in the game of merit wins that those stats exist. But I'll be very frank about this, and I'm a big, big, big fan from afar of how Cindy Gallup communicates this. Fuck them. 
Like I'm being dead serious, like fuck VCs. Like, like there's plenty of high net worth individuals out there, there's plenty of other ways to get dollars or just make money from the beginning. Like I'm, like, I'm so thrilled that the internet is here because, no I mean this, the, the mature internet is unbelievably the middle layer, it is the layer that we build on and that person isn't some 52 year old, you know, Harvard Business School finance VC that's making a subconscious bias or bias decision. The internet is the middle and we don't have to play and like first of all, the whole VC ecosystem, forget about men and women, is not an exciting game to begin with. Their model is predicated on pushing 20 businesses way too hard and way too fast with the hope that one breaks through and pays for the whole nut. It is so not founder friendly in the scheme of things. So, you know, to me it's like hearing that number, like where I really go in my head is like good. Hopefully that makes all these badass women in here think about alternative ways to raise money because I don't think VCs in their current state is all that exciting. And I have to say, I, I've never felt like Gary sees gender. Like, you treat business as an athlete. Because I want to fucking win. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's insane to me. It's, I'm. <laughs> and there are other men out in the world like Gary. Like, one of the reasons why I asked Gary to be here is, uh, I'm a true believer that feminism will only reach its pinnacle if men are a part of the conversation. Um, 100%. And uh, yeah, it's just look for new ways to raise money. Like I, I don't enjoy the VC ecosystem and I have many strategic investors in McMahon. Question. so much for listening to the audio experience. It would mean the world, and I mean the world, if you could go and leave a rating on iTunes. Your word of mouth is my oxygen.